that he is here. Um, and we looked at those three last year. So we're going to continue that study. Um, this year I have another one that, that I, I wanted to do last year and it, it didn't kind of work out. And I, I was looking at it again for this year. And, but on the conclusions of Christmas, I want to preach that sometime. What was concluded with Christmas? Like the sacrificial system was all done um, because the, the Lamb of God was here. And there's, there's some fun studies there. And uh, there's a verse in the Christmas story that says the days were accomplished. Uh, things were done when it came time for Jesus to be born. So that's, that's an exciting thought. But this we, uh, year we're going to continue the study on the claims of Christmas, looking at what people said about Christ, who he was, uh, and what he was doing, made some claims about him during the Christmas story. And so I made more of those bookmarks. If you um, lost yours from last year or you like a new one or you're new this year from last year, they're available right there in the back uh, with the notes, and if we need more, we can make more, but have those kind of a, a, as a way to look at the Christmas story from a different perspective. Uh, what did people say about Jesus during uh, the time of his birth? You know, it's, it, there were a lot of people uh, in, different, in the Christmas story that had something to say about Jesus. This is only fitting as the coming of Christ is the focal point of history. Uh, it's, it's what everything before that was leading up to. It's everything after that looking back to. Christ is the center of, of history, even in our timeline, even in our dates. We are in the year 2022 um, of the year of our Lord. Um, and we have before Christ. So you have all of time before Christ and you have all the time after Christ. Um, Christ was the center point and the focus of, of history. When we look at this kind of in a biblical perspective, you look at the Old Testament and what the Old Testament had to say, kind of the message, if you were going to summarize it, was that God will provide himself a lamb. That was said by Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. And you look at the message of the New Testament, you have spoken by John the Baptist where he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And we look at the future and what, what's in store in the future, the message there is in the book of Revelation, which is worthy is the Lamb. So the focus um, throughout all of history, past, present, and future, is Christ. And he's the focal point. So today, we're going to look at some claims, or the claim made by the chief priests in Matthew chapter 2. This is an amazing, amazing story as we got into it and got to study it, and I hope uh, that comes through in the lesson today. But we see that the chief priests made the claim that Jesus was prophesied. Why don't we go ahead and read these verses in Matthew chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Here we see the Bible says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem in Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in, that, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, we love you, and we again we thank you for the time we have to gather together in your house to uh, study your word. And Lord, as we take time this uh, month to focus on Christ, that our hearts would be stirred uh, with gratitude and praise. Lord, that we would learn lessons uh, to apply to our lives from the attitudes of those who are around during the time of Christ and how they responded to him. Uh, Lord, may we learn to respond properly to Christ in our lives as well. Pray that you'd bless this time in your word this morning. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. So we see here the claim here made by the chief priest is that he was prophesied about. For thus it is written by the prophet, they said. You want to know about the king? You want to know about this coming Messiah? Well, the Bible told us about him. That was the message. That was the claim that the chief priest made about Jesus. What had happened was Jesus was born in the small city of Bethlehem. This had already taken place by this time in the Christmas story. But this event went fairly unnoticed in the area surrounding Bethlehem and the area of Jerusalem and throughout Israel. This group of people 
were the recipients, recipients and the stewards of the Word of God. The Jewish nation, they were given the Word of God. They were the, the custodians. They were taking care of the Word of God and the promises of God and the prophecies of God, but they did not notice that God had come into their midst just like He said He would. They knew God said He was going to. They had the prophecy, but they didn't notice when it happened. They missed out on it. Only a handful of people in a small town were able to experience the joy of this wonderful news. No one who would be categorized as important seemed to notice. But there was an important group of people, as far as from this, this world's perspective, people of prominence who did notice. And it wasn't the Jewish people. It wasn't the religious scholars. They were wise men, secular men from a faraway country who took time to notice that God had come to earth and that this king had been born. They were men of the east, likely Babylon, that made it a habit to study the stars. Now, we're not going to go too much into detail about these men because they made their own claim, and we're going to look at that in another lesson. It was hard to kind of, kind of keep from going into, into the study on the wise men. But they had noticed that a new star had appeared in, appeared in the sky. And with this new star, they understood that a king had been born in Israel. How did they know this? How did they know this new star meant an Israelite king had been born? Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But with the knowledge concerning the new king, they traveled to the nation of Israel and went to the only place that made sense to look for a king, the nation's capital. Yet, when they got there, no one knew about this king they were looking for. They were finally able to scrounge up some Bible scholars who were able to tell them about prophecy, and they claimed that if such a king was, had been born, it would have happened in Bethlehem because it was prophesied that he would be born there. So these wise men come into the nation's capital and said, Hey, we're here to worship the new king that's been born over the, over the, for the nation of Israel. And everybody, oh, we don't know what you're talking about. Say, well, well it, it, get somebody that knows the Bible. Let them get in here and tell us what's going on. And so the chief priests come in and the scribes and say, okay, what's the problem? What's the question? Well, these guys say there's a king born in Israel. I said, well, if it happened, it happened in Bethlehem because that's what the Bible says. And so if it really happened and it did happen, well, then it's going to happen down in Bethlehem so you guys can go check it out. That was, the, that was the attitude, that was the perspective of the chief priest here. They said, yes, we know what the Bible says. We know that you're, you're here from the east and you've traveled all this way to tell us that it happened. Well, if, if it happened and the Bible's true, then you can go look over there. So they knew the prophecy, but it had no effect on them personally. They knew what the Bible said. And so we're looking at this claim made by the chief priests and the, and the, and the scribes. And we're going to start by talking about the, the messengers, these people who shared this message with the wise men. Oh, yeah, the Bible told us that Jesus is coming. But it, it had no effect on them. That's, that's amazing to consider. So we look at the messenger. We see, first of all, the chief priests are described as the messenger in this passage of Scripture. Who were they? Who were these people? This would include the current high priest would have been included with the chief priests. This would have included former high priests. Those high priests who had stepped down due to their age would be included in the group of chief priests. And also um, in First, uh, First Chronicles, I believe it was chapter 7, David had divided the, um, the, the priesthood into 12, or sorry, 24 categories, all to take a course of time to oversee the, the working at the tabernacle. And the head of each of these 24 groups would be included in this group known as the chief priests. So all people who were serving God, who were serving in the tabernacle, who were in charge of, of the sacrificial system and overseeing the religious life of the Jewish nation, the high priests, former high priests, that was this group that had gotten together. So these were the people. What was the problem? 
Well, the problem with the chief priest was that they had head knowledge without heart knowledge. They had head knowledge without heart knowledge. You know, knowing about Jesus is not enough. Just knowing about Jesus is not enough. They knew about a Messiah that would be born. They knew about the promises that God had made regarding this Messiah, but this knowledge did not affect them. They could not even be bothered to travel to Bethlehem to see it for themselves. The problem with these chief priests was that they were so full of themselves, there was no room for God, no room for the Savior. We often look at the Christmas story and we think of this idea of not having room. We go to the inn, right? The inn, there's no room for the baby. And we, 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 we preach on that and say, hey, do you have room in your life for Jesus? But we go to these chief priests, these religious people, these, these people who would have been in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, and wearing a suit and carrying a Bible and memorizing scripture, but there was no room for Christ in their life. There was no, they couldn't be bothered, their schedule could not be messed up to go see Christ for themselves, to go see the fulfilled scripture for themselves. How, how cold were the hearts of these religious men? They had no room for Christ. Stephen addressed these men in the book of Acts when he was arrested. He addressed this group and he talked to them and he said this, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the dispensation of angels and have not kept it. Talking to this group of people said, you've got the law given to you by God. You've got the prophecies. You've got the scriptures. You've got all of this handed to you and you in your heart are still a pagan. You and your heart are still uncircumcised. You're not, you're not willing to listen to the word of God. You haven't kept the word of God, although it's been given to you. These men who had no room for Jesus. You may know about Jesus, but the question to consider is, do you know him personally? The Bible calls this personal knowledge of Jesus salvation. These men were religious. These men were spiritual. These men were unsaved because they had no room for Christ. It's possible to look really good at church and have no relationship with the Lord, but don't let your pride keep you from coming to Jesus as it did these chief priests. So knowing um, this knowledge, knowing about Jesus is not enough. Also knowing what to do is not enough. You know, when I'm teaching young people, I'll often deal with the idea that, you know, we all know what we're supposed to do. I'll be preaching a lesson and teaching in a junior church class, and I'll say, you know what, we could go right now around the room, and i say, what's a Christian supposed to do? You could all raise your hand and tell me what a Christian... We all know what to do, and that's not the problem. The problem is, are we doing what we know we ought to be doing? We know it, but are we acting upon it? We have plenty of head knowledge about Christianity, but how much of what we know to do are we doing? These chief priests and the scribes who knew the Bible better than anyone else, they were sent missionaries by God from a faraway land. First, first, um, first foreign missionaries were the wise men. They left their country to come to Israel to tell them about Jesus. And guess what? They didn't respond to it. They didn't respond to this message to tell them that Jesus was born. It should have been very clear to them how they ought to have responded to the news that their Messiah was born. They knew what they should do, but they could not be bothered to do it. 
Let's just uh, say if we were, this, this has happened lots of times here, not the end thing, but the what I'm going to illustrate. We have a big program like Vacation Bible School, and we're cleaning up after Vacation Bible School. And I may have something in my hands, let's say a tarp, and I approach a teenager like uh, Stephen, and I'll hand it to Stephen, and I'll say, Stephen, here, do you know where this goes? If he takes it from me, and he says, yes, the tool room, and hands it back. What, what, was that what I was? Was that what I was was wanting out of that exchange? That's what happened with the chief priests and the Pharisees and the scribes. Though the wise men said, "Hey, your Messiah has been born. Do you know where that happened?" And they said, "Yes, Bethlehem." You go check it out. We're not we're not worried about it. They 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 knew what they ought to do, but they couldn't be bothered to be obedient to the law of God. Wonder what these wise men thought when the Bible scholars did not want to come with them to see the fulfilled prophecies. These men left their home. They've traveled hundreds of miles, and they're excited to see this, this king who's born over another, another land. And they come to the people of that land and say, Hey, your king's been born. You guys, where is he? Oh, yeah, he's in Bethlehem. Go, go check it out. They knew what to do, but they couldn't be bothered to do it. They had made spirituality their profession instead of having a possession. They wanted to look good, but they didn't care about being good. They wanted to look right, but they didn't care about being right. They wanted to look spiritual, but it never affected their heart. They had made a career or a lifestyle out of looking spiritual. But for those who only conform to spiritual things, it will never be real to them. This is often a problem in churches. People will have good, uh, a good appearance, a good biblical standard, big, good biblical convictions. They use the right Bible. They sing the right and listen to the right music, and they dress the right way, and they talk the right way, and they watch the right things when they're in the right kind of church. But you move them into another environment, and they're just going to conform to that other environment. We see people say, well, how can they live like that when they were like this when I knew them? Well, they, they, they moved, and they just conformed to their environment. This often happens in young people with, with young people. They're one way when they're under mom and dad's roof and authority, but as soon as they're out of that environment, everything they said that they believe goes right out the window because they're only doing it to fit in. This was the problem with these chief priests, with these religious men. They were putting on a front of faith and faithfulness, but they were not changed by the truths of the Bible. Just like happens today and has always happened, there was a group of religious people who were interested in currying favor with political people. These chief priests were in the pocket of Herod. They were his religious puppets. They were going along with whatever he wanted to do. Just because a politician get a religious person to agree with him about something does not mean that's a biblical position. So they were just conforming, conforming to, to, to look spiritual, but it what hadn't changed them. These chief priests did not believe the prophecies that they knew so well. They had and they knew all the prophecies, they just didn't believe them. These wise men from a Gentile pagan nation had the Bible and they believed the Bible, the priests had the Bible. They didn't believe the Bible. These chief priests were too proud to be instructed. They were scholars. Who were these uncircumcised Gentiles to tell them about their king and Messiah? How do these, how do these pagans notice what we missed? Why should we leave the palace of Herod to visit the baby of Bethlehem? It's amazing that Jesus was willing to leave heaven and come to earth to be born a man, to be born in a manger, but the priests were unwilling to leave Jerusalem. The priests who were a type of Christ, they were a representation of Christ and how he would fulfill the office of the priests on our behalf. They were a type of Christ, yet they couldn't be bothered to leave the palace, 
to go see the manger. Why? Because Jesus humbled himself. The priests would not. The priests would lift themselves up in pride. So this is the chief priest. These are these people who delivered this great message that Christ had been prophesied, but that message had no effect on them. We see the second part of this group was the scribes. The scribes were also men who were there, and they were called together, chief priests and the scribes. Now, who were the scribes? They were the men whose job it was to copy and to read the scriptures. They would copy the scriptures, and when it came time to, to, to on the Sabbath day, when the Bible tells us, as his, habit, as his custom was, Jesus went into uh, the synagogue on the Sabbath day for to read. The scribes were the groups who would maintain the scriptures, and they would read the scriptures in the synagogues on the Sabbath day. They knew the Bible very well. They knew how to find things in the Bible. You know, um, the Bible hasn't always been in the format we have it right here, in a book divided into nice books and chapters and verses where I could tell you go to Matthew chapter 2, verse 4, and everybody could find it. It used to be one long paragraph on a roll. But the scribes knew that roll really well. And when the chief priest said, hey, there's that thing in Micah said about, about the Messiah being born, they could grab the scroll and scroll over to it and say, hey, here it is. Uh, they knew the Bible. They knew the Bible really well. They knew where to find things in the Bible. They were scholarly. They were educated men. They knew the Bible academically, but they too lacked faith. You know, as we said already, an academic knowledge is not enough. And when you approach the Bible strictly academically, uh, you're missing out because the Bible cannot be understand, understood completely um, academically. You can't have all of the answers. You have to accept the Word of God by faith. I just had the, this conversation with somebody this week. You're not going to know all the answers. You have to believe what the Bible says. The Bible has a lot of answers to our questions, but there are things we have to believe just because God said that they were true. And the scribes were lacking this belief. So we see these groups here bringing this message that Jesus was prophesied. But there's a third group who's implied. We have the chief priests, we have the scribes, but also the prophets. They're the ones who made the prophecies. And we look at these Old Testament prophets that there were many of them who prophesied about either the first or second comings of Christ. I have a book uh, in my office, I meant to bring it up this morning, but I forgot to, uh, entitled New Testament Fulfillments of Old Testament Prophecies. All it does in this book is it gives the Old Testament verses and then the New Testament verses where they're fulfilled. This book is 234 pages long. There's no commentary, there's no extra wording, it's just this Old Testament verse, here's the New Testament verse where it was fulfilled. A lot of Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled in the New Testament. And it's from the prophets that we find the source material for the chief priests, the scribes, and the wise men. The chief priests and the scribes, they went right to Micah chapter 5, verse number 2. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. They had specific revelation from the prophet about the birthplace of the Messiah. They had other prophecies as well, but it was this passage that we see them give the answer to Herod and the wise men regarding where Christ had been born. It had been prophesied by God that the Messiah was coming, and when he does, it would do to Bethlehem. That is, however, where they stopped. They didn't go to any other passages to look at the comings of Christ and share that good news with the pagan king about their promised Messiah. They were only interested in doing what was required of them. They could have gone, oh yeah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Oh, and did you know that he's going to be born of a virgin? And did you know that the Bible says he was going to, this was going to happen? They didn't do any of that. Oh, you want to know about the birthplace? Here it is. That's all, that's all we're worried about sharing. Only doing what, they were, what was required of them. Jesus calls this behavior unprofitable. If we only do what's required of us, we are unprofitable servants. We can understand from the, from the interaction of the wise men with the chief priests that they had some prophecy as well. They did not simply see this star and conclude that it means in Jerusalem there was a baby born into a royal family that would one day grow up to be a king. 
Uh, they had more specific revelation than that because if you remember, Babylon was an empire and they had conquered it. And one thing they would do is they would bring the treasures from those places to um, their, their country. And these wise men would have access to those. So when they invaded Jerusalem, one of the treasures they would have scooped up was their copies of the Word of God. And they'd have brought them with them. And in the book of Numbers, chapter um, 24, verse number 17, we see a prophecy that the wise men would have had access to. This verse says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, that shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. There is a star coming in the land of Israel, and it's going to be carrying a scepter. So they knew there's a star over Israel that's going to indicate the birth of a king from this prophecy that they had from somebody else's spiritual books. But they had it, and they believed it enough that when they saw the star, they left home to go see for themselves. They also know when they should be looking because they had a prophecy from Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 through 26. Now therefore, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, and the street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of that prince shall come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. So they have this prophecy from Daniel about, about these weeks, and we don't have time to break all of that down, but just a simple explanation of what's going on there. There's a commandment that goes forth to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. That took place at the end of the 70-year captivity of the nation of Israel. Then there would be seven weeks. This is seven periods of seven years, which would be 49 years, and that would be the time from the commandment until Jerusalem was rebuilt and the um, walls were rebuilt. It was during those years that Ezra and Nehemiah were, were doing their reconstruction in Jerusalem. Then after that was done, there would be a period of 62 weeks. That would be 300, or sorry, 434 years, and after that four, three, 434 years, the Messiah would be killed. Messiah would be cut off at the end of that period. So they knew when the commandment happened, they counted the fourth years. Well, they, this king is going to die at this point. So they started watching a little bit early, see when he was going to be born to watch out for that star. They had this prophecy in the word of God. They knew when to look for the star. They knew what to look for, but they didn't know where to go. They didn't have the prophecy from Micah about Bethlehem. Because if they had, I bet you they would have gone right to, right to Bethlehem. Because these men believed the word of God. And they let, them, let it affect them, but they didn't know where, so they went to Jerusalem to get some more revelation from the Word of God. They had some of the Word of God, and they believed it. The chief priests had all of the Word of God at that time. They didn't believe it. They had more knowledge, they had more responsibility, but they had less faith. They weren't very good messengers. But they did make the claim that Jesus was prophesied. They did share a good message, that He's been born and here is where it happened. So we, moving on now, we're going to look at the message that they brought. The message brought by these chief priests and these scribes and the prophets. They all made the claim that Jesus was prophesied. As we said already, there's prophecies throughout the Old Testament concerning Christ. We looked at this in our study on rightly dividing the word in the idea of the prophecies relating to his first and his second coming. Lots of prophecy in the Bible about who Jesus was and who he would be and how he would come. This is described for us in Luke chapter 24, verse number 27, where Jesus told the men as they were walking on the road to Emmaus, He to told them, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded um, he, unto them all the scriptures, or in all the scriptures, the things concerning Himself. 
So as Jesus said, I went all the way back to Genesis, books of Moses, and I went through all the scriptures and told you what the Bible said about me. He sat down, he, 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 as he walked with them, he told them what the Bible said, these prophecies that he had come to fulfill. Just relating to his, his birth, there are a lot of prophecies, very specifically uh, detailed, and I believe I put those all in the notes for you, but I want to read through those. Some, a lot of prophecies regarding his lineage. Who, whose family was he going to come from? What line was he going to come from? I mean, the nation of Israel was going to be as the, the, the sands of the sea and as the stars. Just, just that he was going to be a Jew wasn't a very specific prophecy. That the, the Bible lays out specifically where he would come from. Starting first, that he would be born of a woman. We saw that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. We see it fulfilled in Galatians 4, verse number 4. Then we would see, more specifically, the Bible tells us he would be a descendant of Abraham. This is a promise made to Abraham in, Luke, in Genesis chapter 12, where God says, Unto In thee shall all the nations of the world be blessed. And we see that fulfilled in Matthew 1 1, where we see Jesus described as the son of Abraham. We see not only would he come from Abraham, well, Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. So, so which line? The Bible tells us it was going to come through Isaac. We see that in Genesis chapter 17. Now, Isaac had 12 sons. Well, now it's starting to split up a little bit more. How, how are we going to know where the Messiah is coming from? Well, in Genesis chapter um, 49, sorry, Isaac, not Isaac, Isaac had two sons. Jacob had 12 sons. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Well, where was he coming from? The Bible tells us he was coming out of the line of Jacob. We looked at that in Numbers 24, that prophecy about the star. Then Jacob's 12 sons. We see it narrowed down to the prophecy that he would come from the line of Judah. That was in the blessing that um, Isaac gave to his grandsons. And he said, out of Judah, um, there'll be the, the, the scepter would be there. That was described. They would come from that line. Well... Continuing down the line, we see he would be a descendant of Jesse. Um, out of Jesse shall spring forth a branch, uh, prophesied in the book of Isaiah. We see that he would be a descendant of David and of Solomon. That's described in 2 Samuel chapter 7 by Nathan the prophet. That it would be of, of David and of Solomon that this, uh, that this um, king, this prophesied Messiah would come. So very, very specifically laying out, here's what's going to happen. This man's going to have a child. That child, this child, this is going to follow down the line to the birth of Messiah. And it happened just like the Bible said it would. The prophecy came true just like it said it would. What about, his, what about his birth? There's other aspects of his birth that were prophesied in the Old Testament. Again, this isn't an, an exhaustive list, but just showing you the Bible very clearly laid out what, it, what was going to happen when it came to the birth of Christ. We see described that he would be born in Bethlehem. Saw that already. The chief priests knew that one. That's where he was going to be born. We saw that the timing was prophesied. That was we looked at with the wise men in Daniel chapter 9. We saw that his birth would be accompanied by a star in Numbers chapter 24. In Isaiah chapter 7, it's described that he would be born of a virgin. In Psalm 72, the Bible tells us that he would be worshipped by kings who would bring him gifts. Very specific prophecy. We see described in Psalm 2 that he would be the son of God. As his prophecy, as was prophesied. We see in Psalm 91 that this is, this is a neat one. Um, he would be protected by angels. Now, this is a verse we looked at very recently because it was one that Satan quoted to Jesus, that he's going to give his angels charge over thee, to, to, to watch over thee, to protect thee, lest thou cast thy foot against a stone. Well, Jesus' life was in danger very early on in, in, in his birth by King Herod, right? How did they escape? An angel came and told Joseph, you got to get out of here. And this, that was a fulfillment of this prophecy in Psalm 91. That his angels were watching, God's angels were watching over him to protect him. And it was an angel who warned them to go flee to, um, flee to Egypt. 
we see that prophesied as well, that he would be in Egypt out of, as a child. It's out of Egypt have I called my son in Hosea chapter 11. There's also a, a sad prophecy in Jeremiah 31 that children would be killed at the time of his birth, that Rachel w- would weep for her children. That would be the children that were killed in Bethlehem after Mary and Joseph escaped with Jesus and the, and the children were slaughtered in Bethlehem by Herod and his vengeance. Um, that's prophesied there as well. It was prophesied again and again that the Messiah was coming. And he fulfilled every prophecy. Remember what he said on the cross. It is finished. Finished. He fulfilled every prophecy that God laid out for him. And, and even coming to his birth. And the wise men came. We said, we've seen the prophecies. We've seen his star. Where is he? Okay, it's prophesied. He's, he's in Bethlehem. The wise men didn't have to miss out. And, and we're going to have a fun time looking at them when it comes time for that, that study. But the chief priests did. People who had the word of God. They missed out because they didn't believe the word of God. So we saw the messengers and the chief priests, the scribes, the prophets. We saw the message that Jesus has been prophesied, that he was coming. And what does this mean for us? What's a, what's a lesson that we can take or some lessons we can learn? First one is that the Bible is true. The Bible is true. The Bible can be relied upon. Now, we understand that the Bible is true by faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. This is true because God said it's true. And that's all that I need. I don't need to, I don't need to believe it. I don't, need to, I don't need to understand it. I don't need to comprehend it. I don't need evidence of it. God said it, it's true no matter what I think, no matter what anybody else says. We take that by faith, that the Bible is true. Men have and they can take Bible, the Bible simply as an academic book. Oh, there's lots of, lots of good truth in there and there's lots of things that we can learn. There's some people who take the Bible as a practical book um, and say, well, yeah, if you you live this way, it's going to turn out better um, for you. But without faith that the Bible is true, the Bible won't change you. The Bible won't transform you. You have to come to God by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So we have to have faith in the Word of God. And we accept the Bible by faith, but let me point out, it's not blind faith. And it's not a leap of faith. Many people consider those of us who believe the Bible to be 100% correct in its literal, grammatical, and historical interpretation. They think we're extreme in our faith. You guys that are crazy that, 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 believe, uh, that believe that book. And they're trying to always, always push it and, and, and categorize it that way, even, even politically. They're trying to th- say things, well, we'll give you an exception if you were crazy enough to believe this book. We'll give you an exception. But everybody else has to believe what we believe. And they kind of categorize people that believe the Bible as, as crazy. But that's not the case. We know the Bible is true because God said so, but there's a lot of facts to back up our faith. We just listed 16 specific truths about the birth of one child that were described hundreds and some of them thousands of years before it happened. Thousands of years before it happened, the, 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 the Bible said, this is going to happen, it's going to happen this way, and it happened just like they said, not in just one lucky guess. There are 16 specific prophecies about this one child that are all fulfilled. That's evidence that the Bible is true, that God is true. These are facts not to give us faith, but facts that strengthen our faith. Believing the Bible to be true is a step of faith. It's not a leap of faith. It's not, well, I got this book and none of it makes any sense. I'm just going to have to leap over here and believe that God wrote it. No, everything's true. Everything we can understand about the Bible is true. Everything we look at prophesy-wise has been fulfilled. But yes, God's the one that wrote it. We take that step of faith. We go beyond the academic understanding to a spiritual understanding. But there's a lot of, of evidence to back up our faith, to support our faith, to strengthen our faith. And so these prophecies being fulfilled is evidence that the Bible is true. Again, we go back to the chief priests. They had the opportunity to turn faith into sight if they'd only gone along with the wise men. 
They have these prophecies that they claim to believe and they claim to have faith in that they had an academic understanding of. And they had the opportunity, well, I can go see this prophecy fulfilled for myself if I travel with these wise men to Bethlehem. But they didn't go. Why? Because they had an academic understanding of the Bible. They didn't have an understanding based on faith. If they believed the Bible, they would have acted on the truth of the Word of God. But they didn't do so. Faith is demonstrated by obedience. If you believe the Bible is true, you will obey it. These chief priests did not really believe it. That's why they could ignore it. If you'd ask them, do you believe the Bible? Of course I believe the Bible. Do you believe that verse that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem? Yeah, I believe that verse about the Messiah born in Bethlehem. You want to go see him? No, I don't think it really happened. They had an academic understanding, but they didn't have an understanding based on faith. And there's, yes, a lot of academic truth and a lot of practical application in the Word of God, but it's a spiritual book that can make spiritual changes in your life. And if we don't take the Bible by faith, if we're not obedient to it, it's never going to change us. The wise men's lives were changed forever because they believed the Bible was true. The chief priests had no change. They rejected God. They rejected the Son of God. And it was the same group, maybe not the same men, but the same group who wanted to kill God because he was infringing on, on their spirituality, on the way they, they saw the Word of God because they didn't believe the Bible was true. If, the, if you believe the Bible is true, the Bible will have an impact in your life. These chief priests did not believe it. So that's one lesson we can learn. We can learn that the Bible is true. Another lesson we can learn is that salvation is for all in the prophecy here. Now, these, these, these Jewish um, chief priests would have been very uh, suspect of these Gentiles, and they would want to keep them out of things that are spiritual. They want them on the outside, but God was going to welcome them on the inside. Uh, we see that in this passage. We have three groups of people in this interaction. We have the religious Jews. They did not believe the Bible. They missed out on salvation in the Son of God. We have the secular wise men that did believe the Bible. And they chose to accept Jesus. They chose to go worship Jesus. The third character we haven't talked about much yet, and that's the pagan king. The pagan king was Herod. You know what Herod did? Herod believed the Bible and the wise men because he wanted to kill the babies in Bethlehem. The chief priests didn't believe it. They didn't believe their own book. They didn't believe the Bible. Herod believed it, but Herod rejected it. Herod said, yes, I believe the Bible is true, but I don't want another king. I want to be my own king. That's motivated by Satan. We saw that in our study of Satan as well. Herod believed the Bible and rejected Christ. The wise men believed the Bible and accepted Christ. The chief priests, who were the ones who were were trusted with the Word of God, didn't believe it for themselves. They didn't believe it. They looked good, but they didn't have faith. They they looked faithful, but they had no faith. The gospel was never intended just for the Jews, and we here we see some Gentile wise men that got saved and accepted Christ for themselves. So we see salvation is for all, and here's a third truth. Past prophecy was fulfilled. That means future prophecy will be fulfilled as well. Jesus fulfilled every aspect of prophecy that was given in the Old Testament regarding to his first coming. Everything the Bible said was going to happen happened just like the Bible said it was going to happen. What does that mean? That means anything we're looking at that the Bible says is going to happen, it's going to happen just like the Bible says. We have confidence in the accuracy of future prophecy because we, we see the fulfillment of past prophecy. And so we know the Bible is true in that way. If God, the Bible says it's going to happen, it's going to happen because God cannot lie. And we have perfect confidence and faith that what God has prophesied for the future will happen just like He said it would. 
even in these verses, if you go back to Matthew chapter 2 and look down at verse number 6. And thou Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor. Hold it, hold it right there. That happened, right? Out of Bethlehem came a governor. That's, that's fulfilled prophecy. The last part of that verse is future prophecy. What's it say? The end of the verse says, That shall rule my people Israel. Did Jesus come to Bethlehem? Was he born in Bethlehem? It came true. Is he going to come rule Israel again? Is he going to come back and be a king? Is he going to come back and establish his throne on earth? Yes. Just like the past prophecy was fulfilled, we know the future prophecy was fulfilled, or will be fulfilled. We can trust that. We can trust the Word of God. And a fun one for us as Christians, we have the prophecy, and if I go and prepare a place for you, John chapter 14, if I go, did Jesus go? Is he preparing a place for us? Fulfilled prophecy. This was just prophesied about after he died, he was going to go. Go back to heaven. Did he fulfill the prophecy? Yes, he did. Well, what about the rest of that prophecy? I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Just as true as the if I go is the I will come again. And we have confidence in that. And a reason we have confidence in that because we see that Christ fulfilled every prophecy. Not one jot, not one tittle could pass away from the Word of God. He wasn't going to let one thing be undone. Everything was taken care of because Christ was going to fulfill the prophecy. And if He's made promises us to us for the future, He's going to fulfill those as well. So we see this group of people, perhaps unwilling messengers, but they shared a message that Christ was a fulfillment of prophecy. He had been prophesied, he fulfilled that prophecy, and we can learn from that, that yes, the Bible is true. We see that salvation is available to us all, and we see that God's going to fulfill his promises to us in the future. As we reflect on this, this, this passage, really I was challenged by this attitude of people who were given so much, yet they did so little with it. The chief priests, the scribes, who had the word of God more than anybody else in this story, more than the poor people in Bethlehem, more than the shepherds, more than the wise men, more than King Herod. They had more from God than anyone else, and they did the least with it. Brethren, we've, we've been given much as well. We have a lot God's entrusted us with, us with. What are we doing with it? Again, our faith is seen in our obedience. You have all of the Word of God. How much of it 